by their faith. So um, they knew uh, how awesome this freedom is because Jewish Jews were had worked so hard for their faith. It was a works-based salvation, right? If we look at um, that we had to do something to earn, our, earn his grace and his glory, right? And they lived that life for so long, and now comes this salvation by faith alone. And it's like, hey, I don't have to do anything. It's all right, all right, so I'm just done, right? I can just do my own thing. And he's trying, <laughs> he's arguing, he's fighting that thought for the Jews. So this letter that is sent uh, to Jewish and Gentile Christians is to fight that thought, okay? So there, there's big uh, importance in the context of this writing. And a lot of times people want to say that James con contradicts what Paul teaches in the letter to Ephesus and the letter to Romans about salvation. And it's not at all. It's actually, uh, it complements it so much. And you'll see, you'll see just what he, what he means in this. So in this, let's start, we're going to read the very first verse, okay? Because this, this essentially lays the foundation for everything we're about to talk about. And he says this, he gives these two rhetorical questions. He says, all right, so what good is it? And remember, he's talking to these new Christians from the Jew and Gentile background. They're free. They have this freedom, right? What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if somebody claims to have faith? They say they've got it, right? They claim to have faith, but they don't have works. Can such a faith save them? Can such a faith save him. Paul in his letter to Romans says that salvation is through faith alone. But then James just says, if you have faith without works, the combination of the two, can you be saved? Well, they're contradicting. No, not necessarily. Because Paul essentially is teaching to people before conversion before they've received that salvation. And James on the other end are teaching to Christians after conversion. If you see that, and you look at the big picture, Paul uh, just pleading to people that are without Christ, that haven't given their hearts to the Lord before conversion, right? You, gotta be, you can be saved by faith. It is through faith alone that you are saved, all right? And, these, and it's this works base. He's talking to you know, the, the, the Jews that are saying, I've got to do all this, I've got to do all this to do it. And Paul's like, no, you don't. Is through faith alone. And then James comes on the other end of conversion, and he's talking to these people that are already Christians, right? Us Christians here today. <laughs> There's no such thing as a light version of faith. There's no such thing as true, genuine conversion in faith if there's not a change in the way you live. There's not a change in the way you love because it is a natural byproduct, works, the word works, serving, loving others, doing things for other, others, Christians, is a natural byproduct of being born again. So if we Christians are born again, if we are truly committed and have genuine faith to Christ, and it is not this external thing that they want the world, we want the world to think we're Christians, but it is a heart change. It is a commitment. And there's this underlying word called lordship, right? 
Yeah, Jesus is king, and he's king of all, but is he your Lord, right? Your heart, is, are you my Lord? Have I submitted to you? That's where we are. It's this lordship thing. Are we surrendered to his will and not our own? And that's what he's trying to say. Once that happens, your works should follow. Once that happens, your works should follow. And James was fighting against that, and that's where we are and what we're looking at right now. So this necessity of works. James doesn't say, well, it probably should happen. No, it will if you're saved. Before I even get into reading this scripture, we need to understand what he's saying, okay? The fruit that a tree bears is evidence of what kind of tree it is. And that illustration is given multiple times. But if you want to know what your heart, <laughs> what your heart produces, look at the fruit that comes off of that. Look at the things that we're saying. Look at the things that we're doing. Look at, <laughs> look at what we're doing with the people that we call our past friends before conversion. Those type of things, the result of our faith should be evident, should be evident. It's this necessity thing. So James is reading this. If you're reading this alone and you're reading this scripture and if we read this together right now, don't think it's just a whole big picture and he's talking to everybody else. It's so important for us to take this and to self-reflect and to say, all right, this is to me. God, you're talking to me in this very moment. He essentially, he does, he's forcing us, when we read this, forcing us to assess our faith. And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow whenever we look at, mm, okay, what am I doing? What kind of things, what kind of fruit am I bearing? All right. Let, let me go back to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. I'm going to read this. Because there's so much confusion that, the, that there's two different beliefs and there is contradiction in the Bible. And it's not. It's not. Ephesians chapter eight verses, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. says, you, as Paul says to Ephesus, you are saved by grace through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's God's gift. Not from works so that anyone can boast. For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared us ahead of us, ahead of time for us to do. Let me go back to that. Look at this, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. We are created by him, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why did he do, why did he create us to sit there in our, in our house, in our living room, and to just read the Bible and fill our minds with this unbelievable knowledge about who God is, and to know without a shadow of doubt that he is God? Absolutely not. But to go into the world, and to love the world, to be the hands and feet, that's why he created us. We are born again to do something, to be used. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. James makes clarifications and compliments what Paul says. So essentially he's saying, 
or the, there's a saying that says this, faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. I want to say that again, and I came across this, and I love it. Faith alone saves. Okay, that's Paul. But the faith that saves is not alone. That's Jay. Is that contradictory? Not at all. Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. Is our faith a saving faith? What's evidence of it? You've got to have proof. There has to be evidence of what we do. So James gives us an example. He doesn't stop there and give one verse and walk away, but he gives us the meat to it. So let's look at it together. Let's dive into God's word and see what he has for us. He gives us an example of faith. He says, if a brother or sister without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and stay warm, be well fed, but then you don't give them what their body needs, then what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. A dead faith? Can you be saved yet have a dead saving faith? Essentially. That's not the faith that's needed. That's ineffective. Ineffective faith. Faith without good works is dead by itself. I'll follow this up and I'll ask you this. Have you ever used prayer as a substitute? For good works. Somebody says, there's this family I came across that really needs some help. You know, it really needs it really needs your help. It's like, well, I'll pray for them. Let them know I'm praying for them, and I'll be in prayer for them. And then we'll walk away and we'll forget all about that. We'll ignore that situation because they say, well, I'll pray for you. Prayers, there's nothing better than prayer. Right, so I'm going to give you the, give you my prayers, and I promise I'll pray for you. But we do nothing about it. We've been there, right? I'll pray for you. Let them know I'm praying for you guys, or you know, somebody is crying out for it, for a friend to talk to, somebody that's struggling. You know they're battling depression right now. You know they're battling the worries of this world, and they're just weighing on them. And we tell them, I, I just want you to know I've been praying for you walk away. And we don't lend an ear, we don't talk, we don't help and truly love them, because it's an inconvenience to us. Is that enough? Is that the love that Christ wants us to have for one another? Is that that godly love? And this is exactly what James is talking about. We get, we, we avoid those inconveniences of truly helping one another. Somebody just lost everything in a house fire and, you know, man, gosh, that's awful. I feel terrible for you. I'll be praying for you. And, and, and if you guys have some kind of benefit or something, I'll tell the world about it. I'll share it on Facebook even. But we don't help them because we need that extra money so we can go out to eat next weekend. That type of non-working faith is dead. James is warning us that. He's not saying, well, it's not very good. James is in your face, and I've told you about this over and over again, and I love that about James. He said, your faith is dead. It's useless. Why do you even claim to be born again if, you're not, if, the, if the works aren't coming along with it? Because it is not an optional byproduct, works aren't. Works, loving one another, 
is essential. It's a necessary byproduct of that. And that's what James is teaching. James is teaching over and over again that we're not, if we're not helping someone, if we're not loving someone when the opportunity comes because of inconvenience, there you go. Is that the saving faith we need? So a living faith cannot be separated from works. The dead faith, what's the opposite of a dead faith? A living faith. Or is your li- is, how alive is your faith is a fair question to ask. And what are we doing to ensure it is? Are we just saying, well, God, okay, just if you need me to do something, I hope there's something that comes across uh, in my life that you tell me I need to help with this. I guarantee you that you can think right now in the past few weeks of the opportunities we could love and help one another. And probably you did, but maybe you didn't. How alive is your faith? And James wants you to ask yourself that. And he goes on in verse, verse, uh, verse 18, and he says this. But someone will say, you have faith. See, you have faith, and I have works. Here's what he said. He goes on, he says, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you faith by my works. He's like, how are you going to show me your faith? How can you show someone your faith without works? Faith is internal. You can't see that. And works, we don't do it for the world to see, but James is clarifying. I'll show you my faith by my works. At the beginning of the year, we did this, we did a spiritual inventory. You remember the shape series that we went through? And we went through this inventory to help us discover our gifts, to help us discover the talents that God's given us, the spiritual gifts he's given us, or the talents we were born with that God, uh, God created us to have. Now, I'll say some of you, Maybe when you went through this, you thought, okay, helping others is not really a, a talent I have. Helping others is not really a gift that I have. You know, that type of works type of things. I, I'll just, you know, I, I'm pretty good at praying, and I'm really introverted, and I'm this type of person that's really not going to go out and do those type of things. But God created me that way, so that's okay. I'll just pray for people. And don't get me wrong, prayer is so important and so powerful. But what is evidence of your change. What is that evidence? Real faith will be demonstrated by works. James is teaching us. The Bible is teaching us. Your real, genuine, authentic faith, living faith, is demonstrated by the works we have. Man, that's hard, though. Because more, the more and more modernized the church gets, the more and more me-focused it gets versus God-focused. We look at these, these shortened amount of times of the church, this window we have to fit things in, this I've got to fit things into my schedule, and I want it to hit my preferences and my likings, and me, 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 and I really don't like that. I'm going to try a new church. I become a seeker and try new places that I like that really fit the mode that I have for what a church should look like versus what a church should be according to Scripture. That is how we're going. We become more me-focused. Me-focused. It's true. It's true. Real faith is demonstrated by our works that inconvenience us. How inconvenienced have we made ourselves? Man, 
Oh, I pull up and I'm getting out of the, at a stoplight. And I tell you, those people that uh, have those help, I, 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 I'm homeless. I need your help, please. They know the exact place to be. And they know how to tug at our heartstrings. But we know how to argue with them in our minds. They probably drive a Mercedes looking around. I bet they got more money than I do. They ain't giving them nothing. Right? Y'all have heard those stories of the people that are begging for money and they drive better cars than we do. How many times have we driven by those people and they really did need help and we didn't do it because it's an inconvenience? I don't trust them. I, I help in other ways. And I'm not saying that you should help every time you drive, somebody, drive by somebody. It's not what I'm saying at all, but we have those opportunities in our life that we can help and we can serve. And this, James is nailing us right now. Love people. Stop. Worried about the inconvenience. Love people. And if it's, a, if it's a love that you think that they're going to take advantage of, oh well. You're loving them anyway. Bless people anyway. There was a, a um, in verse 19, this is a go-to verse that I used to share with um, my youth, when I was in youth ministry, I used to share this all the time. And I would always pull this verse out. One of my favorite verses, and you've heard it probably many times before. And it says this, and he follows up he follows up 18. I'm going to read 18 before we get to 19. Someone's got to say that you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works. That's what it looks like. Because it's more than just believing, this intellectual belief. You believe, verse 19, you believe that God is one. You believe in God. Good, that's awesome. You believe that he is real. But even the demons believe and they shudder. Even the demons believe, and they tremble in fear. The demons believe. Evil spirits. The devils, as some translations say. They believe. Yeah, absolutely. They saw, they saw this man, Jesus, walking. They saw him living this perfect life. They saw this man crucified, dying a death he didn't, he didn't deserve. They saw this man on the third day be raised again. And they saw this man be ascended into heaven. There, without a doubt, the demons believe. <laughs> Are they going to heaven? Absolutely not. That is that dead faith type faith that he's referencing. They believe and they tremble in fear. Intellectual knowledge that God is real, the, the, an amazing scholar that could prove historically that God is real and God created all of us is amazing and awesome, but that means nothing for salvation. It means nothing for salvation because if you don't believe that Jesus is the Christ and he came, lived as a man, died a death he didn't deserve as the son of God, took our sins upon his body, bled for us, died for us, for our sins, and rose again on the third day, then that knowledge of God alone, that he exists, is not enough. It is a belief, a faith, a surrender to his lordship, to who he is and what he wants in our life. Intellectual knowledge is not enough. Let me give you an illustration. Let's imagine we're standing in the Grand, at the Grand Canyon right now. And we're at the edge of this amazing cliff and an amazing view down in the Grand Canyon, right? But then we see another cliff in the distance. 
And some architects thought, hey, some of the best architects in the world actually said, hey, we're going to build a bridge, a walking bridge across that so we can walk across this expanse in the Grand Canyon. So they do. They build this amazing bridge, and you have very little doubt that it's not going to work because, hey, they're architects. They they are world-renowned. This is going to work. They build it, put it together. You're standing at the edge of this this bridge, this walking bridge. Architects design, there's no doubt that it's going to work. But you're standing on the edge, and you're the first person to test it out. The question is, are you going to walk on that bridge and fully trust that that bridge is real? Or are you just going to know, hey, these architects did it. I bet it works. I know it will. I believe the bridge works. Or are you going to be the one that steps out and walks on that bridge? There's your faith. Are you trusting that God is going to hold you up? Are you entrusting, not just knowing it's going to, but actually doing it? Where's the steps? What steps are you taking? Are you walking on that bridge? You believe that God is real? Yeah, that's awesome. Even the demons believe. What are you doing? What are you doing about it? (laughs) And then he doesn't hold back. Look what James says in the next verse, the very first line. very first thing he says is, senseless person, or in my translation, you idiot, right? I don't think that's a real translation, but it works. Senseless person. Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Are you you that hard-headed? that you are not willing to to learn, to know, to accept the fact that your faith, great knowledge, that God is amazing, praise the Lord, I believe in God, I got a neat through cyst on the back of my car, I believe that he is real. Prove it. Are you walking on that bridge? Are you stepping out in faith? Prove it. Wasn't Abraham, and look what he, he references, two great stories in the Old Testament. The first in verse 21, wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac, his son, on the altar? Works doesn't justify our faith. It is a perfection of our faith. Okay? You see that faith was active together with his works. And by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Let me, rep- let, let me go back. In, in this story, before Abraham even offered to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar, that verse said that Abraham was righteous with God, right with God. So it isn't the fact that he offered to sacrifice his son. Okay, so as we're going to read, as we're reading this, Ab- Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out a different route? So he shares these two stories, one of Abraham, one of Rahab. Powerful stories that give great lessons of a works evidence of their faith. Not, Not faith produced by works, but because they had faith, their works was a byproduct. Verse 26, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. 
Faith without works is dead. You're not going to be saved by any amazing thing you do, church. I don't care if you go and you plant the greatest church, you start the greatest church in, the, in, in our country, and you start a, a revival across our country that converts the, even the, the most bold atheists out there. I don't care if you convert thousands and thousands through the words you say, you have the gift of a golden tongue, and you do amazing things, and you love people in amazing way, ways. That is not going to save you. You could be the greatest, the greatest teacher and preacher to ever walk the earth. You could be the most loving person. You could have a, a love ten times the heart of Mother Teresa, and that wouldn't matter. It wouldn't hold a light to anything. It would not give you salvation. Your works will not save you. Nothing you do can result in your salvation. Nothing you will ever do can result in salvation. And God knew that. So he gave us Jesus. He gave us perfection. The son of God, son of man, to walk this earth, to die a death that you deserve, that we deserve, because we are sinners. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be saved. Through his blood and his blood alone. Charles Spurgeon says, Grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. A grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. Think about that. Are you, are you changed? Are you changed? Are you new? Are you totally different than he ever used to be because of your conversion? You are born again. As Brock comes up and we're going to sing a closing song, remember James, God's word gives us a challenge to assess our faith. This is a self-assessment in scripture, okay? Remember, mirroring yourself and seeing yourself in his word, it's hard to do, especially when it's not something that is very nice, when it's not something that is very kind, when it's something that uh, is offensive, but he asks us, is our faith dead? Or is your faith alive? Is it real? You have that saving faith through Jesus Christ. But is it just barely alive? Do we just have this vague heartbeat once a few months to show love? Or, All right, that's good enough. There you go, Jesus. Until next time. Or is our faith alive? Is our faith naturally full of evidence? Look back on ourselves. Man. I feel guilty because I think of so many times that I could have done so much more. I got other things going on. I got all this to do. Got too many jobs. Got too much going on. God understands. I ain't got time. I just ain't got time. No. That's me focused. How many times have we been me focused and not others focused? Selfless love is the type of love that results from conversion being made brand new. The difference is our dead faith and a saving faith is that lordship. Is Jesus Lord? If Jesus is not Lord for you today, if Jesus is not Lord or he's become pushed off on the wayside and God, just take the passenger seat. I got this. He's not Lord. Who has the final to say in your decision? 
Let's surrender more today. Our faith shows works. But if you don't have faith at all, how can you ever, ever expect that to happen? I challenge you to have faith today. Embrace him today. Let's stand and let's worship together. If you need prayer today, our elders will come up and pray with you. Just walk up and they'll follow. Let's worship together. So we'll sing a new song as Brock leads us. The King of my heart. A song all about the surrender.